Um, there are two readings for this evening. Uh, the first one is uh, Psalm 16. that can be found on page 549 in the Church Bible. Psalm 16, starting first one. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my God. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods to take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on, on the Lord. With him at my right hand I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure. Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And our second reading is taken from Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. That could be found on page 1042. Luke chapter 10, starting at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Help her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Lewis, thank you very much. Evening, everybody. It's warm, isn't it? I mean, really do. If you want to go and get a drink, water at any point, I won't mind. Please feel free. I might do it myself at some point. Um, but look, Mary Martha. Mary and Martha. Uh, probably one of the most familiar little encounters in the New Testament. Um, very easy to caricature these two women, isn't it? Set them up in opposition to each other. Are you a Mary or you're a Martha? People sometimes um, ask. Or, uh, or be less Martha, be more Mary. Sometimes people say, say that. I think Martha's certainly one of the most sympathised with characters in the Bible, um, isn't she? Perhaps along with um, Leah, the sort of less attractive sister that Jacob didn't really want, um, or Eutychus, that, that poor kid who falls asleep to his death because Paul's going on and on so much. Very well sympathised with character. I'm reading this novel at the moment, um, The Lincoln Highway, um, by a guy called Amor Towles. Um, who wrote Gentleman Moscow, one of my favourite ever books. Highly recommend it. But look, one of the characters um, in this, Sally, um, has some thoughts 
on, uh, on this passage. And this is set in kind of 1950s rural America. She's about 18, lives at home um, with her family. Uh, here's what she says. At last week's Sunday service, Reverend Pike read a parable from the Gospels in which Jesus and his disciples, having arrived in a village, are invited by a woman into her home. Having made them all comfortable, this woman, Martha, retreats into her kitchen to fix them something to eat. And all the while she's cooking and generally seeing to everyone's needs by filling empty glasses and getting second helpings, her sister Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet. Eventually, Martha has had enough, and she lets her feelings be known. Lord, she says, can't you see that my idler of a sister has left me to do all the work? Why didn't you tell her to lend me a hand? Or something to that effect. And Jesus, he replies, Martha, you're troubled by too many things when only one thing is needful. And it's Mary who has chosen the better way. Well, I'm sorry, but if you ever needed proof that the Bible is written by a man, there you have it. I'm a good Christian. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe that Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, was born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, was buried, and on the third day rose again. I believe that having ascended to heaven, he will come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe that Noah built an ark and herded every manner of living things up the gangplank two by two before it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. I am even willing to believe that Moses was spoken to by a burning bush. But I am not willing to believe that Jesus Christ, our Savior, who at the drop of a hat would help heal a leper or restore sight to the blind, would turn his back on a woman who was taking care of a household. So I don't blame him. Whom I blame is Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and every other man who served as priest or preacher since. There we go. What do we think? Do we think Sally is right? Is this incident an example of the misogynistic patriarchy? Men dismissing the womanly duties of housekeeping and thinking preparing a meal is completely unimportant compared to listening to great theological teachers. Men who seem to think that food just arrives on their table like manna from heaven. Well, no, I don't think that's quite what's going on here. Actually, we'll see as we go along, this passage is hugely, extraordinarily affirming of women in a very countercultural way. So if it's not that then, do these two women represent people living for Jesus and living, people living for the world? That's how some people have seen this passage. Or one trying to earn salvation and one receiving salvation by faith. Is it that? Well, again, I don't, I don't think so. It's very likely that Mary and Martha that we've got here are the same Mary and Martha that we meet in John's Gospel. We have a, a brother named Lazarus who Jesus famously brings back from the dead. And it, and it says there that these women are clearly disciples of Jesus. They both know him as their Lord. They're both dearly loved by Jesus. And in fact, there's no way that a Jewish man such as Jesus would have been received into a woman's home like this unless they had a close relationship. So I don't think it's about faith and not faith. So is it then about the, the problem of busyness, of having so much on that we neglect the importance of, of rest? Well, I think we're starting to slightly get a bit closer, perhaps, to what's going on. I mean, being overly busy is a big issue for lots of us, isn't it? Especially somewhere like Cambridge, where there's a constant pressure to fill our diaries, to, to work long hours, have a constant churn of social engagements. I have been struck this week, the number of times I've spoken to people and said, how's your week going, or what does your week look like? And they say, busy, busy, lots going on. Business is clearly 
an issue. And we will think about that a little bit this evening. But, you know, even that, I don't think, is the main thing going on here. You remember the context, if you've been the last few weeks, of where we are in Luke's Gospel. Two weeks ago, we saw Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples to go ahead of him into the towns and villages, preaching, performing miracles, preparing the way for him, because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the fields. Go, go and labor. And last week, we had the parable of the Good Samaritan, you'll remember. And Jesus was commending the costly care that the man on the road did for this injured man, cancelling his own plans to, to bind him up, take him to the inn, and so on. And Jesus says, you are to go and do likewise. Go and do. So I don't think that busyness is the issue, because working hard, serving the Lord, is something we're called to do. So what is this passage about then? It's probably about time we start to think about what it does mean then. We're going to walk through it together. And we're going to look at each character in turn and see what we can discern. It just reminds you of where we are. Verse 38, if you'll look down again with me. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. You'll probably remember that Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Jerusalem. And here they pause in a village en route. So Jesus, and presumably his disciples as well, are received into this woman, Martha, into her house. But then first we're we're really introduced to her sister, Mary. It's more than likely this was a younger sister. And we read in verse 39 that Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Sometimes you get in in films, don't you, uh, or stories, a scene where little children sit at their grandfather's knee Uh, on some winter evening by the fireside, listening to to tales of his youth. Well, there's probably a bit of that kind of intimacy going on here, but but more what's going on is that Jesus would have been teaching that model of people sitting at the feet. It's something that people would have done, typically in synagogues, where disciples of rabbis would sit at their, their their teacher's feet, listening to them, learning from them. But look, here's where it's countercultural because that was normally something that only men did. But here, Mary is joining the disciples at Jesus' feet because Mary knows that Jesus is her Lord too. The teacher who welcomes everybody as equally valued, equally important. Now, she would have known that it would have been her expected duty to go and be helping her sister with all the preparations. That would have been completely normal, but, but right now, on this day, she can't help but be with Jesus. For her, that is the most important thing to do. She's devoted to him. Her faith prompts her to sit and listen to Jesus. And that, that listening, it wouldn't have been a passive thing. Uh, it's not her being an idler, like Sally thought. Rather, she's learning from her master, these disciples of rabbis, they wouldn't just sit passively. They would, they would sit and listen so they could learn and, and grow in their own faith. And then also to, to grow in their ability to pass that knowledge on, to become teachers of others. So it was, it was a, an active listening, sitting that Mary was doing. 
because she recognizes who's before her. She recognizes that in front of her is the Lord of all creation. And so she gives him her full attention. Mary shows devotion to Jesus. But what then of Martha? Now Martha, you'll have picked up, is busy preparing a meal. Now this, again, would have been completely normal as the host, the the homemaker, even expected in Jewish culture at the time for her to be doing this. It's not like in the UK when if someone pops around, you might make them a cup of tea, bring out the digestives. No, it would have been completely normal to prepare a full meal and to feed them until they were stuffed full. That would have been the culture of her day. So lots of preparations were needed, and Mary was, uh, sorry, Martha was busy getting on with them. But do you see how Luke describes those preparations in verse 40? He says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations. Martha was distracted. So what's she distracted from? Well, I take it, given what we've seen of Mary, she was distracted from Jesus. I think it's hard to imagine living in a world with more distractions than we do now. Would you agree? Phones pinging every few minutes with new texts or, or WhatsApp messages. Facebook feeds to scroll through. TikTok videos wanting just 30 seconds of your time. 24-hour news updates. Box sets. 200 emails per day people normally get. Adverts everywhere. Constant demands for our time. Perhaps you even get used to spending an evening watching a film whilst also checking your Instagram and chatting to your friends. Distractions, distractions everywhere. And that's before you even get to the stuff that you actually have to do. The chores, the paperwork, the cooking. <laughs> that was meant to be up for a bit longer, but maybe, maybe um, Sam thought it would be too distracting, so um, he's, uh, he's kept it off. It's so ingrained into our culture, though, isn't it, that our daily patterns, these distractions that are so normal to us that we probably don't even realize that we're being distracted by them. But the problem with all these things is that they they can so easily take us away from what's important. And that's what we see here, too, isn't it? Because Martha's busyness has taken her away from her sister and, more importantly, from Jesus. Martha is distracted with her busyness. I guess we don't know exactly what was driving Martha um, in this, what was driving her, her busyness. I guess it could be a number of things we could speculate with. So perhaps it was just that cultural uh, expectation that, of course, she had to do the preparations. If she didn't do it, who would do it? Completely expected that she would do it. It could be that it's a good thing to serve. It's a good thing to, to work hard. We've seen that Jesus calls us to action. So she's driven by faith in what she's doing. Maybe that's what's going on. It could be that she doesn't maybe value rest. And there's so much to do. How could stopping even for a minute be the right thing to do? Maybe she doesn't value rest. Or how about this one? Perhaps she's deliberately keeping Jesus slightly at arm's length. Is that something that even we do, even those of us with faith here tonight? I wonder if sometimes we feel almost afraid of taking the time to be still and listen to Jesus in his word. Because we're slightly afraid of what he might say to us as our sin is exposed, as our compromises are challenged. 
Maybe she's being busy because she doesn't want to sit at Jesus' feet. Well, look, whatever is, is driving Martha, maybe all of those things or none, clearly it isn't producing much good fruit. The result of her serving is stress and frustration and anger. You see how she reacts in verse 40. She goes over to Jesus and says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. I'm not sure there are many people in the Bible who shout like this at Jesus. Quite brave, eh? Maybe admire her. But clearly what she's doing is causing her distress and it's spoiling her relationship with Jesus. Don't you care, she asks. She's doubting his love of her. And it's damaging her relationship with her sister too. Feeling cross and resentful. Tell her to help me. It's not even talking to her directly. But can you sympathize with her though? Can you sympathize with her frustrations? Isn't she right to be annoyed at her sister's inactivity? Taking it easy while she's slaving away? Well, I think that we are meant to relate to her. I think we're meant to think of experiences that we've probably all had at times ourselves, where we felt like that. Whether we've been cooking a meal, tidying up, getting annoyed with our siblings or housemates. I think we're meant to feel a sense of indignation on Martha's behalf. And I think we're meant to feel that because then we'll feel the impact of what Jesus says next all the more. So what is it then that she hasn't got right? Well, look carefully at how Jesus responds in verse 41. He says to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus' response is full of compassion. Martha, Martha, it's tenderly spoken, it's not harsh. And it's full of understanding. You're worried and upset about many things. He sees that she's distressed. He sees that she's anxious, burdened by what she's doing. He knows how she's feeling and he cares about it very much. Worried and upset by many things. Do you feel like that yourself sometimes? Maybe all the time. Well, Jesus knows about that too. And he doesn't want you to be that way. But part of love is, is sometimes to gently correct. And that's what Jesus does here. Few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better. Mary has chosen time with him above everything else. Mary has put aside the good and chosen what is best. And that is Jesus. See, what Jesus is encouraging here is, is discernment, I think. Jesus wants to help Martha to be able to choose how to use her time wisely. He's not asking her to, to forever neglect good duties, nor is he commending Mary for being idle or lazy. The problem, wasn't, the problem wasn't that Martha was busy. It was that that busyness was taking her away from Jesus. And Jesus wants Martha to be absolutely clear that in that moment, there is nothing more important than being with him. There's nothing more important Food and drink can wait. The one thing needed now is to sit with the others and listen to his words. Now, this is a hard thing for her to hear. It's a hard thing for us to hear. 
And there's a particular challenge for us as, as Christians this evening because, because Martha isn't distracted here by trivial things. She's not distracted by her TikTok or her news feeds. She's distracted by her service. And she is quite literally in the presence of Jesus serving him. And yet she's got her priorities wrong in that. It's a challenge, isn't it? It means that we could be working hard, serving Jesus in a way which is actually at the expense of our relationship with him and to the detriment of relationships with others. It means we could even be serving on a ministry team, doing the tea and coffee, having with a youth club, Jesus Central, playing in the bands, preparing a Bible study, being a leader on the summer camp, being on the staff team at church, but doing it in a way which is neglectful of the one we are serving. It's hard to hear, isn't it? But look, Jesus knows that it's hard for us to hear, and he speaks tenderly to us too, to come and listen to his voice. He knows that we're worried and upset about many things. And so we need to remember that Jesus came first not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And it's going to be a constant balance for all of us to maintain, an ongoing tension between labor and listening. Here's how one commentator puts it. If we censure Martha too harshly, she may abandon her serving altogether. And if we commend Mary too profusely, she may sit there forever. There is a time to go and do. There is a time to listen and reflect. Knowing which and when is a matter of spiritual discernment. That's what Jesus is encouraging here. Well, look, given that we're not likely ourselves to receive Jesus as a guest in our own home, what does that mean for us? Well, it means listening to him in other ways, in his word. Opportunities that we can do that, reading the Bible regularly. And not just reading it or hearing a talk, but engaging, thinking, reflecting, learning, growing in our relationship with him. It's never just head knowledge, it's always done to fuel worship and build relationships. That's what Jesus is seeking. So let's start to think about some applications. What what does that mean then for us in in the daily routines of our normal lives? Well, here's some some, some thoughts. For for some of us, I think that might mean that being more adaptable than perhaps we're comfortable with. It might mean that we need to be willing to sometimes leave the dishes, allow the house to be messier than you'd like before guests arrive, and go and open up the Bible. Or, Or like that Good Samaritan that we thought about last week, to leave his plans and go and care for the person in need. It might mean that we need to be more adaptable. Now, many of us are here, uh, live very organized, structured lives. Um, it's not something I can relate to, but um, we find it difficult to break out and respond more reactively like Mary does. So it's good for us to learn the need to be more flexible sometimes. But for others, it might be that we need to be more disciplined with our time. And maybe that's more my territory. Maybe it's yours. It means we need to make a time each day where we commit to sitting at Jesus' feet amidst all the other things that were going on. Not to neglect devotional times in the way that we would never neglect a mealtime or brushing our teeth or checking BBC Sport or whatever it is that you do, disciplined every day. All of us are disciplined about some things. Are we disciplined about time in God's word? We also need to pray, don't we? We need to pray and ask for God's help. 
And I won't see too much about that now because for the next two weeks we're going to think about the importance of prayer. But of course we've got to ask God for help to know for, uh, what it means for us as individuals, as a church, this week, this, this year in our life now, how to put Christ first and to show us where we're not doing that like he does for Martha. So we need to pray. And we need to not dismiss stillness We need to, maybe we need to see the value of, of resting, not burning ourselves out with, with tasks, however good they may be. It might mean taking things out of our diaries. Remember that, that being in Christ's presence is never passive, it should be active. But listening and, and really um, giving time to Jesus, it does need stillness, it does need space and peace to think, even if you hear those silent screams of distractions, or even the real screams of distractions. Don't give in. Make time in your day to pause the noise. Be still with Jesus. Now, look, perhaps at this point, you're, you're going slightly crazy in your head, and you're thinking, Matt, that's all very well, thinking about Martha, who got distracted by the cooking one evening when she should have been sitting down with Jesus, but you have no idea what my life is like. You have no idea about the demands of my job, the, the hours I have to put in. I can't get out of them, the overtime I've got to do. You've got no idea that the pressure of, of home life with, with children, babies and, and toddlers waking up in the night, school runs and after-school clubs, constant taxi service, or even children who've left home now, but they still seem to need our attention all the time. Matt, you've forgotten what it's like to be at school or at college with homework and exams and concerts and sports days. You don't know my family situation. You don't know how far away my parents and siblings are, how often I have to travel to see them. You don't know how much effort I put into serving at church all week with my ministry roles. Hospitality, meeting up with new people people I know and love that are ill and sick and they need my attention. Matt, you have no idea what my life is like. You would love to be able to give more time to being still and quiet and reading your Bible, but you can't. You just don't get it. You're absolutely right. I don't get it. For most of you, I really don't know the particular pulls and challenges of your life. But look, Jesus does. He knew Martha's and he knows yours. And he is calling you tonight to prioritize him above all the other things that you could and should be doing. He's calling you to believe that it is better to listen to him even than to serve him. And did you see there is great delight and reward in putting Jesus first in this way? Remember what he says at the end of verse 42. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. It's a beautiful, glorious affirmation of Mary, what she's doing. Mary, who, despite the pulls that she would have felt from the chores she needed to do, was able to sit and be still, knowing it was the best thing to do. Listening to Jesus, learning from him, that has eternal value. That is the promise. It will not be taken away from her. And it will not be taken away from us too. 
some verses from Psalm 16, which Lewis read earlier for us. I think this instant picks up some of this language. We read this, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. That's the promise. So when you you get up earlier than you'd like, and you open up the Bible, even though you know you haven't finished that work presentation that you're doing that morning at nine o'clock, Jesus says it won't be taken away from you, you doing that. Or if you've got kids and you get in late and, and the TV is calling you, but you go upstairs and you read a Bible story with your children instead, well, you've chosen what is best and it won't be taken away from you. Jesus knows that life is busy and full of distractions. He knows there is tension between serving and listening. He gets it. That's encouraging for us too. He knows how we're feeling. And there's the beautiful encouragement for us as we finish. The more we discern what it is for us to prioritize Jesus above all else amidst the busyness of life, the demands that we feel, the more we will find joy, blessing, and peace in him. That's encouraged and a challenge for us tonight. Now, look, why don't I give you a minute just to reflect, maybe pray. Maybe God's been bringing some things to mind for yourself. Why not spend a minute to pray, and then Amanda's going to come and continue our service for us.